Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and distinguished guests, you are listening to the Beginner's Guide to Model Railroading. Model railroading is fun. You just have to know how to do it. This episode, I'll be covering two major topics. Train sets, and whether or not you should buy them, and DCC, and whether or not you should use it. you would imagine from the days of yore, a train set is supposed to be a single box that contains all of what you need to put a train around a Hanukkah bush, a Christmas tree, or a war on Christmas tree. However, if you specifically intend to continue modeling beyond the pine needle and present covered floor, you should be very hesitant about purchasing a train set, as, depending on your situation, they may simply prove to be a waste of your time and money. First, let's get into the pros. Right off the bat, a train set can save you a lot of time and effort, because it contains all of what you need to run trains in one box, namely the locomotive, cars, track, power supply, and possibly a few accessories. Normally, the equipment is rugged and can satisfactorily hold up well on the floor for limited periods of time without issue, which is a plus if your layout space is exclusively temporary. Packing it away in the box from which it came can make storage a breeze. And finally, this bundling can usually be up to $150 cheaper than buying all of the components separately. However, there are also some very severe cons to be noted. First and most importantly, train sets are notorious, in the modeling communities anyway, for having cheap equipment with limited functionality. Unless you're willing to pay for a deluxe train set, count on low standard, lightweight, and low quality equipment, especially if the train set is in HO or N scales. If you're planning on having a train empire in any way larger than an oval or circle, you're still going to need to buy a ton of additional tracks so the track provided in the train set is only of a very marginal use. While on the subject of track, all of the track provided in train sets is sectional track with plastic ballast attached, sometimes called click track, because of the sound it makes when you put it together. Click track is almost never used on permanent model railroads, in part because it looks so unrealistic. The only exceptions I've ever seen are Bachman brand track, which is actually designed to be covered by ballast later, like regular track, and Kato brand Unitrack, which is the closest thing to realistic that I've yet encountered. Thus, if you're not planning on having a temporary setup on the floor or a kitchen table, the track provided in any train set will be, uh, utterly useless. Finally, many train sets use only simple DC control, uh, which I will explain more in a moment, to cut back on costs. 
If you're ever planning on using more than one train at once, uh, or if you want a sound-equipped locomotive, the DC locomotive will only be a hassle when trying to reach that goal, and you should probably invest in separate DCC-equipped equipment right off the bat. However, there are two notable exceptions. First, manufacturers are starting to produce DCC starter sets, which will explicitly say DCC equipped on the box. And second, a very recent development, some train sets now offer smartphone app Bluetooth control, which would be just as useful as DCC when compared to simple DC train sets. Here are some conclusions we can make about whether train sets are right for your situation. In S, O, and G scales, you can generally buy train sets. By their very nature, all three of those scales are more rugged and indestructible than their smaller scale counterparts, and for this reason and others, what you would be buying in the train set for these scales is fairly close to what you would be buying outside of the train set. Thus, for S, O, and G scales, it is usually safe to buy train sets without exception, so long as they are mid-range or above. You can buy HO and N scale train sets if your near-term projects are limited to floor and dining room tabletop expeditions. They can be very inexpensive and save time and effort in getting your railroading adventures off the ground quickly and simply. Just don't be surprised if the equipment is a little more uh, fragile and limited in its functionality, or if some of the train set components, like the track, transformer, or even the locomotive and cars, later become obviated by your expansion into the hobby. I should also say that train sets do make excellent gifts for non-modelers, as they usually remove lots of hassle to setting up the trains, and they also contain detailed instructions that are not written by self-absorbed, narcissistic, underaged internet twats like myself. If you want good equipment that can be used later, though, you should probably build your own train set. If you know what you're doing, building your own train set can actually be very simple, easy, and yield better results than buying a normal train set, though usually a smidgenly more expensive. All you need to do is research the cars and locomotive you want, buy a transformer, some track, and you're ready to go. In fact, if you still need the flexibility of click track for temporary layouts, you can usually buy click track packs divorced from train sets so that you can still set them up around trees or tables, which is always a fun thing to do, even if you're building a permanent layout. However, if your sole intention is to build a layout, however simple or small, just really avoid the train set entirely. Either way, train set or not, you should always go down to your local hobby shop for your purchases, because they always have higher quality train sets than what you'll find stocked in a toy store, and this will also give you the opportunity to ask questions of the clerk and make sure that whatever you end up buying is right for you. While I do recognize that many people nowadays, especially that of my own generation, are just outrightly ignoring brick-and-mortar stores, at least when it comes to model railroading, when there's such a wealth of information that is required in order to get your start, going to your local hobby shop regularly is an excellent thing to do, because simply talking will provide you pretty much all of the information that you would need, and if you were to put a dollar value on it, I bet you it would be exactly worth the extra upcharge that you would have to pay by going to an actual store. Now on to a discussion of train control. DC versus DCC. What does that one extra letter mean, and why is it so vexing to beginners? As has been alluded to many times previously, there are two main ways of controlling trains. Direct current, or DC, and digital command control, or DCC. 
Nearly every single model railroad locomotive or power pack is set up to run one of these two systems. Small aside, some toy trains like 3-rail O-scale actually use AC current, but the principles of train control are identical to DC, and for simplicity will be referred to here as DC, but that really only matters for uh, pedantic idiots, so uh, never mind. DC was the original system for controlling model trains. Direct current is pure electrical mechanics. If there's no current to the track, the train doesn't move. Obviously, you don't need me to tell you that. Why are you here? If you increase the current, the train starts to move faster in a speed proportional to the current, because the current in the rails directly feeds the motor in the train. If you stop the train and flip the polarity of the current, the motor runs in the opposite direction, moving the train backwards. Easy as pie. However, this has one severe drawback. Namely, that all locomotives placed on the track will react in exactly the same way, which prevents you from running multiple different trains at the same time, independently of each other. DCC is the development of the past two decades. This is 2018. <laughs> DCC is a development of the past three decades, but it now holds almost exclusive market dominance in the hobby. Appropriately named, Digital Command Control allows you to control your locomotives with commands digitally. See, see how that works there? Basically, it sends coded messages to the locomotives through electrical pulses, like Morse code, through the rails. Unlike DC, DCC uses constant track power. The command station, which is connected to a throttle, then instructs special mini-computers inside the locomotives, called decoders, how much electricity and of which polarity to feed the motor. This also allows for other features, like sound decoders, which can also receive instructions for other tasks, like fire off a whistle or a bell sound, or to dim or turn off a headlight. Each locomotive decoder is given a specific address, which prevents a command from being sent to multiple locomotives and allows you to run multiple locomotives independently of each other. DCC also has a myriad of other benefits, such as the option for walk-around or radio throttle control, the ability to specifically program locomotive features, and insanely realistic sound decoders with literally dozens of individual sound functions all recorded from real locomotives. But this does come at the price of either paying the extra 50 to $100 or more for a DCC-equipped locomotive, or the time and effort of taking your locomotive apart and hardwiring a DCC decoder into its mechanisms. Installing a DCC decoder in a locomotive is most definitely not a beginner project, unless the locomotive is a plug-and-play DCC or DCC-ready model, which means that the locomotive has basically an elaborate miniature electronic socket where all you need to do is buy a DCC decoder specifically for that type of locomotive, remove the shell, plug in the decoder, and reassemble it. But otherwise, I'm not going to be going over much more about installing DCC decoders. I've spent a decade in this hobby, and it's something that even I haven't attempted to do yet. So here's a short primer on wiring layouts for both of these systems. While it may not seem like it, you can wire a layout with DC to run multiple trains at once using something called block wiring. However, you need to approximately double the amount of wiring you install for every additional train you plan to run. 
Block wiring is where you have a bunch of electrically isolated track segments, called blocks, that are all connected to a transformer or transformers via electrical switches in a way that resembles all the switches you'd see in a cockpit panel on a plane, but obviously a, a little bit smaller. Here's an example of block wiring. If you're bad with visualizations, consider getting a piece of paper to follow along. Imagine two straight pieces of track, A and B. On each end facing inward, each piece of track has a switch, and the switches connect to two parallel tracks, one and two. So, going from one side to the other, you start on track A, which then splits into tracks one and two, which then themselves merge back together into track B. The simplest wiring setup is to connect one controller to all four tracks, but via on-off switches, such that, by flicking these switches, you can give power to any combination of tracks A, B, 1, and 2. Now, put one train each, a red train and a blue train, on tracks A and B, respectively, facing each other, and turn off power to all four tracks. Start by turning on power to tracks A and 1, then use the throttle to move the red train from track A to track 1. Then turn off the power to both tracks A and 1. Now turn on power to tracks B and 2, and, like before, move the blue train from track B to track 2, then turn off the power. Now that track B is free, you can turn on the power to tracks 1 and B, and move the red train from track 1 to track B, and then again turn off all the power. And then finally, you can turn on the power to tracks 2 and A, and move the blue train from track 2 onto track A. And there you have it. You're done. You've managed to move two trains on the same layout using only one DC controller. Curve tracks A and B around to connect each other and make an oval, and you can see how this would be used on a model railroad. Now that you, hopefully, understand the principle behind electrical blocks, this example can be expanded to normal block operations by using one simple modification. Instead of connecting each piece of track to an on-off switch, connect it instead to an either-or switch, and add two throttles, a red throttle and a blue throttle, to control the red and blue trains respectively. Thus, instead of turning off power to move the trains with the same throttle, you would select which throttle controls each piece of track at any given time. Either way, you can now understand how wiring a model railroad for DC operation can quickly become complicated and laborious. Now on to DCC. The advantage of digital command control is that, after that uh, painfully complicated example of DC block wiring, you only need one single electrical bus wire to connect to all the pieces of track on the layout. All rails would have power at the same time and be connected to the same power source. Side note, for prevention of short circuits, most modelers still divide their DCC layouts into block sections, but that really only happens once you increase the size of a layout's mainline by greater than 200 feet, so that's not something beginners will need, but um, keep that in mind. A DCC system comes in three main parts. Sometimes all the parts are split up, and sometimes they're combined into one piece, but the principle still holds. The three components are a power source, or transformer, a command station, and a throttle. 
The setup of a DCC system is best imagined as a T-junction in a road. At the center of the junction is the command station, connected to three branches. The first branch is the transformer, which plugs directly into the wall and provides power to the whole system. The second branch is to the layout itself, and it is connected to the controller via master bus wires, one of each polarity. You can think of the bus wire as a tree trunk, which has a bunch of branches to all of the individual pieces of track, but they all lead back to a common pair of wires. The third branch is the throttle. To control trains, you must first turn on the layout by plugging in the transformer, which gives everything power. Then, acquire a locomotive by punching in its address on the throttle, much like punching in a phone number on a phone. Next, give the locomotive a command on the throttle, like move forward or blow whistle, and the command is sent from the throttle to the command station, where it is encoded into a Morse code-like series of pulses. The command station then sends this encoded command through the track by slightly pulsing the power it gives in the rails. The locomotive's onboard DCC decoder then recognizes its specific address, for example, locomotive number 249, and proceeds to decode the command. Once the command is decoded, the decoder will then start feeding power to either the motor for movement or to the speaker for sound in order to carry out the command. This entire process takes between 1 32nd and 1 16th of a second, depending on how far the signal has to travel through all the wires involved. It should be noted that, while DCC is considered the universal standard whose parameters are defined by the National Model Railroad Association, there are sometimes exceptions, such as in O-Scale, where Lionel and MTH both offer their own proprietary versions of command controls called LCS and DCS, respectively. All you need to know is that, like DCC, they offer independent control of trains occupying the same block along with sound features and also come at an additional locomotive and equipment cost. However, they are not compatible with each other or with other DCC systems, whereas all trains and command stations labeled as DCC can be used interchangeably. So what does all of this mean for beginners? Basically, I can sum it up for you this way. If all you want is a simple, straightforward loop around the Christmas tree, maybe one train at a time, DC is cheaper and simpler. However, if you ever want to run more than one train at once, if you plan on taking your model railroad off the floor and beyond a simple loop layout, or if you want realistic and entertaining sound features, you'll want to invest in a DCC system up front and only ever buy DCC-equipped locomotives. So what if you have been wooed by the additional and superior features of a DCC system, but you're still in the train set phase and are worried about buying the right products? Well, good news. Nowadays, there are actually quite a few train sets that come with DCC-equipped locomotives, and most of them are produced by Bachmann. Two notable train sets are the Golden Spike set in N-Scale, and the Digital Commander Deluxe set in HO-Scale. Both of these sets include two DCC-equipped locomotives and a DCC controller, along with additional track so you can operate multiple trains simultaneously. If you want to start with a more traditional one-locomotive train set, a good choice would be the Echo Valley Express set, which features a single DCC sound-equipped steam engine, freight cars, controller, and track. I personally own the type of locomotive used in this train set, and I can recommend it for its hearty workhorse qualities and good sound. Another option that we have heretofore not discussed much is the option for later conversion. Many DC train sets will now come with DCC-ready locomotives, such as Bachmann's HO-scale Durango and Silverton locomotive set. 
If you recall, DCC ready means that all you need to do is buy the decoder and or speaker system later, pop off the locomotive shell, plug in the decoder, and reassemble the locomotive. By buying a train set like this, you can reap the benefits of the cheap and simple DC system now, and then buy a decoder and a DCC system for easy installation later. And finally, when it does come time for you to buy a DCC system, the two major DCC suppliers, Digitrax and North Coast Engineering, or NCE, offer simple DCC starter kits for under $200, the Zephyr starter set and the PowerCab starter sets, respectively. Personally, I started off with the Digitrax Zephyr many years ago, and it has managed to keep up and grow with me without a single problem since. For that, and for its simple, all-in-one transformer box throttle configuration, I would personally recommend it to beginners who want a well-designed, high-quality, and robust but also inexpensive DCC system. This can seem very complicated, and taken with some other slightly obtuse hobby-specific terminology can be confusing. So in order to aid with your understanding, here are a few frequently asked questions for beginners and their answers, as found in Model Railroad and Magazine's DCC Made Easy pamphlet. Is DCC complicated to install? No. Most systems nowadays, especially the ones designed for beginners, are plug-and-play. For very small, one-train layouts, the setup is only marginally more complicated than DC, and for larger layouts, it's infinitely easier. Just familiarize yourself with the terminology and the concept by reading a few books on the subject, and most importantly, your user manuals, and you'll be able to do it in a snap. Can I use the track I have now? While there is a distinction made among turnouts, some being so-called DCC-friendly, there is actually no impact on DCC operations. Every single piece of track in model railroading can be used in either DC or DCC control, so you don't need to change anything about your track setup, and you can even convert an existing layout from DC to DCC with no additional change to the track work. The only reasons why turnouts are called DCC-friendly is because they have a slightly different wiring arrangement for delivering power to the rails that is pre-installed by the factory. While this doesn't affect turnout functionality, it does make the turnout slightly less likely to cause a short when defective equipment rolls through it, whereas there wouldn't be a short on a DC layout. For the modeler, DCC-friendly turnouts are preferable because they are slightly easier to install and slightly more reliable, but they make no impact on the choice of layout control. If you install your track flawlessly, then the difference between DCC-friendly and normal turnouts is purely pedantic. Do I have to buy decoders from the same company that made the DCC system? No. All DCC systems run on an NMRA-approved standard, which makes all locomotives compatible with all DCC systems. You should, however, avoid mixing DCC system components across manufacturers, like, for example, using an NCE throttle with a Digitrax command station. Does DCC work just as well on large layouts? Yes. The only difference in wiring is that, once you crest about two to 400 feet of track, you should start adding booster units. 
Boosters are best described as repeaters, as they repeat the command given by the command station and bolster the track power, allowing locomotives to travel farther away from the command station without losing power or becoming unresponsive to commands. Booster science is usually dependent on the manufacturer and well beyond the realm of beginnerhood. Can DCC handle reversing loops? Yes, but as in DC systems, it's still complicated to wire. Go to your hobby shop for more details, but usually it involves isolating both rails on the return loop from the rest of the layout and wiring them to a special electronics module that then itself plugs into the track power. Do I have to use DCC to control my turnouts? No. You do not need to control your turnouts with your DCC system. This is actually a trap that I fell into as a beginner, though bear with me, I was 11 years old. People do, in fact, offer what are called accessory decoders, which obviously control accessories, such as an animated scene like a tree falling, a gate opening, or yes, a turnout throwing. The accessory decoder triggers their accessory by giving them a DCC address and receiving commands much like a locomotive. However, while these can be neat features, they are two things. First, they are in no way mandatory for successfully building a layout, and second, they are hardly beginner projects because they are incredibly complicated to pull off and their major advantages are only relevant once you come to a very large and very detailed layout. So, unlike me, you do not need to walk away from the hobby shop with 400 or more dollars of accessory decoders, the likes of which you have no idea how to install or operate. All you need for powered switch control are some switch machines, a few meters of wire, and some switches bought at Radio Shack. God, I just dated myself with this script. Or another electronics store. What's more, you can also leave your turnouts to be controlled manually. Some of them have spring systems installed, or you can buy ground throws, which you place next to the turnout and which will control it manually for you. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode on train sets and train control. If you have a question or comment, please email me at bgtmring at gmail.com or visit our new website at bgtmring.org. If you like the show, please give us a good review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast feed. If you did not like the show, do not say anything and contemplate the thought crime that you have committed. And now, as your reward for listening through my closing spiel, your modeler's vocabulary word for this episode is hearse. Noun. A caboose. Thank you for listening, and happy modeling.